Hi, Tom. Welcome to the Full Circle Podcast, Finding Your Way Home. I am so glad you're here um, and delighted to have this conversation with you. How are you doing, first of all? Doing really well, thanks. Yeah. yeah glad great. you made it. Good. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about your journey. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about how you have overcome obstacles mm. to your to, to those barriers to success so you could get success um, and also talk about some of the challenges that you've put yourself through um, <laughs> in way of keeping yourself fit, healthy and and motivated. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome to our show. Thank you. Yeah. Good to be here. Good. So um, why don't you tell our audience just a little bit more around who you are and what you currently do? Mm, so, uh, yeah, I'm Tom. And <laughs> um, uh, at the moment, I kind of split my time between working in my own private practice yeah. um, on form and uh, working for my wife's side of family's uh, manufacturing company on their kind of business development side. But I suppose my kind of professional life started in about 2011 when I qualified as an occupational therapist worked in the NHS for three years really enjoyed it it was a it was a it was a rural kind of community setting mm -hmm. we had an inpatient hospital as well very kind of smallish hospital but you know uh, spent most of my time in a community and uh, that has you know a lot of challenges to it because you, you're out there on your own um, you've got to kind of be a bit of a jack of all trades. There's lots of different types of people, lots of different types of kind of conditions and illnesses that you come mm -hmm. across. You know, somebody's had a fall and you're going to try and make sure that, you know, they're safe to be at home and, you know, whatever they need to do the things in life yeah. they want to do. And then you go see somebody else with a, with a neurological condition. So it was really good for my, my learning. Mm -hmm. I had a great team <laughs> who taught me loads along the way. Um, and then after kind of three years there, um, my uh, family's uh, kind of manufacturing company uh, one of their business partners left the business and that kind of was a bit of a gap for them really and I had a bit of a conversation around it and I thought yeah I'll, I'll go work for them for 12 mm -hmm. months so I planned to have a sabbatical 12 month sabbatical um, which you know turned into eight nine years <laughs> as these things do as they always do yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah definitely so um, but while I was there I I um, the things I was learning when I was in the kind of NHS around the health and well-being mm -hmm. side, uh, all the training I did at university, um, it really made me think, gosh, there's something here. There's something interesting that, mm -hmm. you know, people might benefit from potentially before they need the services of the NHS. Yeah. Um, so alongside, um, you know, working at the manufacturing business, um, trying to do whatever we could to keep that going and to, to get that into a good place, which we did, fortunately, which was which has been good. Um, I started my own little private practice, basically. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's been an interesting journey, um, learning all the different kind of things to try and help people do the things they want to do in life. Um, so I did quite a bit of training when I was in the NHS. I started with acceptance commitment therapy training. We had a fantastic... Um, acceptance commitment training. Acceptance okay. and commitment mm -hmm. therapy training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's called ACT for mm -hmm. sure. And mm -hmm. it's um, it, it kind of started in a psychotherapy world but it doesn't have to be it's everywhere it's in businesses it's uh, uh in sport and we had a um a guy from university of birmingham come in to talk to us called dr rich bennett and um it was one of those kind of lectures you have and i was left with my jaw open like wow how come i didn't know about this earlier so i did some training in that and at the time i was kind of going through some of my own challenges with with my rugby injuries and i was studying um sorry i was i was uh treated with this kind of methodology mm. uh, called GEMS, Joanne Elphinstone movement, 
systems. And uh, again, that was another kind of jaw-dropping moment. Again, how did I live without this kind of thing? So I did training in both of those alongside working NHS. And then when I left, just to try and kind of bring it to mm -hmm. other people, really. I really wanted to upskill myself. Amazing. Um, so, so that's... That's where I am now, that's kind of thing. That's where I am now. Yeah, that's All where right. I am now. Okay, and <laughs> obviously you're training to become a professional coach as well. Uh, to, definitely. To do all of that as yeah. well. All right, yeah. so amazing. So I know though, because um, we've spoken a little bit about your journey, and I'd love you to share your story with our listeners because sure. I think, you know, it's interesting. Well, it'd be just quite nice for them to hear it, but also for you to kind of, yeah, we can just have a chat about the, mm. the journey so far because it feels that like you have a real passion to helping others, like you said, to be able to live their lives and, and equip them with, whatever it is that mm, they need to get definitely. them um, into that healthy and, and more um, wellness perspective mm. for them, for them to live their lives in the way like they, they want to. So, but tell me, you've had some challenges in your life. So can, can sure, we, yeah. can we rewind? Yeah, definitely. To absolutely. Tom as a little boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So yeah, tell absolutely. me a little bit more about you there and what was going on for you. Oh yeah. I mean, just, um, I guess a more challenging part of my life. I mean, I was, I was born with a hearing impairment. Don't know why. It's just always been there, kind of pretty much completely deaf in my left ear and got some hearing loss in the right as well. Um, I had to wear hearing aids as a, as a kid. In fact, my nursery teacher spotted it. She mm -hmm. was like, oh, because I think her son or daughter had a hearing impairment as well. So she noticed mm. what was going on with me. And um, yeah, so I ended up getting checked out. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you can't hear. <laughs> so I had a hearing aid um, from a fairly young age all the way through. Which, you know, definitely has its challenges. I was going to say, it must have some impact. Yeah, I think one of the things is with uh, with it is you don't know what you've missed. <laughs> so, you know, so it catches you out sometimes. Um, and, you know, wrongly at the time, I was quite embarrassed to be different. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't want to stand out too much as a, as, a, as a young person. Well, I certainly didn't. Speaking from my experience, can't speak for other people. But so, yeah, that, that yeah, you know, I, I grew my hair when I was younger and it was to cover up my hearing aid. Right. Um, just because it just seemed like something to, you know, people weren't staring at it because, you know, people do. Yeah. And kids <laughs> are not very do. nice at times, are they really? No, they're no. not the nicest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't Unfortunately, it's still, no. yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I had that going on. Um, and uh, I mean, I had super supportive parents. They were always really good, encouraging, trying to get me to do stuff. Mm -hmm. um, much to my disagreement a lot of the time when I was younger um, and I got into rugby when I was about nine years old I was a I was a bigger lad back then and uh, that seemed to be what where they go you end mm -hmm. up on the rugby pitch sometimes um, but I wasn't good I wasn't good <laughs> but um, fair play to my parents they put up with me uh, not wanting to go and they persisted mm -hmm. and they got me down there and uh, I was that kid who, uh, to be fair, I wasn't even picked last. I just wasn't picked. Right. You know, the game would go on and I'd be uh, on the bench ready to get, I just wouldn't go on. I was just not good. Uh, liability to the team. Um, so that was probably, you know, probably from around nine to about 12, 13. And um, it was one summer. So I was, like I said, I was one of the bigger players back then, but I was, I was overweight really, mm -hmm. to be honest. Some people can handle being bigger, I, I definitely couldn't. I was really quite unfit with it as well. Um, and uh, my coaches, again, they were great to me. They always encouraged me and they tried. Uh, and they actually never gave up, which is, mm -hmm. you know, amazing, really. Fair play to them. Um, and one summer we were supposed to be doing, um, learning how to lift in the lineup. Um, we weren't doing it that year, but, you know, 
And I, and I tried and I could not do it. I could not do it. And one of my coaches um, kind of pulled me to his side and said, look, this is what you need to be doing. He taught me through lifting weights. He brought them down to the next training session. He was there. He's like, we'll be here on Tuesday. We'll be here on Thursday. We'll be here on Saturday. And he really invested in me and got me interested and got me keen. And I did it. And I started to see the benefit. Came back to lift kind of like after the summer. I was like, oh, gosh, I can do it. I couldn't believe it. And um, I guess it was a little bit of a light bulb moment for me. And I was just like, wow, so it sounds silly, but hard work kind of gets you somewhere. Um, but I feel like I had to live that to fully experience it. And um, Can you remember what it felt like? Because, mm. you know, because obviously there's the fact that you had your hearing impediment. Yeah. You then, you know, do rugby, but you sit on the sideline, yeah. don't actually get chosen, <laughs> yeah. um, which actually can be quite traumatizing for yeah. any, any child, I would imagine, sat there at that age or teenager anyway. And mm. then and then you then have somebody who shows a bit of interest in you and actually is, is beyond the interest like your parents were giving you, but more yeah. guidance, more support, yeah. maybe a bit more mentoring, maybe. Yeah, for sure. And then something shifted. It did. And I think, to be honest, I, I would agree with you. I'm sure most people probably felt... I've not been picked, so that's terrible. But to be honest, at that moment, I was almost relieved. Right. Because mm -hmm. I, I knew I, was, I wasn't great. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to be. I did want to be, you know, and I felt like I had a massive reality gap yep. from where I was to where I wanted to be. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was good. I mean, it took time. Um, and with that, I kind of, you know, progressed the training as well myself. I started to run more. I do shuttles between the uh, car parking spaces down at the uh, uh, the car park near where my parents lived, and and I noticed it. I noticed it in training because shuttle runs, you know, rugby loves to shuttle run up mm -hmm. and down the pitch. And again, from being one of the last, and I started to beat a few people, and then in the end, I was one of the first, and then I was the first. I was like, oh, wow, this is this is working, and it was it was a really good feeling. Um, but like you say, it's just to get that bit of guidance that persistence um it, and it stayed with me forever it really has it's 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 i still think of it today and uh, we talked about it when we were doing mm -hmm. our course um and i'm incredibly grateful for it really um because what, what did that then open up because I, I take it then mm, you went on to continue to play rugby yeah yeah i, I did i um, started i was you know i was i was in the starting team then mm -hmm. <laughs> carried on progressed on um Captain the team from time to time, which was brilliant, you know, going from never playing to captain the team, you know, it was crazy, really. I was, but all the time I started to get to that mindset, I've got to keep improving, improving, improving. Um, what it did lead on to is um, when I was probably 18, yeah, I must have been 18, um, my dad was looking around the internet and said, have you heard of this England deaf rugby? And I was like, never, never come across that before. So um, we contacted them and said, yeah, come down and, and have a look and... I was super nervous going down for my first time. Just come down, watch a training session, meet the people, and they were super accommodating, really good, nice people, and some really excellent rugby players. And I, I knew straight away I've got to up my game again. Mm -hmm. You know, these guys are playing some really good rugby. And they were grown adults as well. <laughs> um, and I'd played a few kind of senior games at my club. But, but yeah, it was brilliant. And it opened that journey and managed to get my first cap for England deaf which was amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. and I as a kid I always wanted to play for England you know I'm sure most kids do but um I actually did it and I you know fair enough it wasn't the uh the the the, the top men's side but still did it and it meant a heck of a lot to me mm, it really did imagine. yeah absolutely um 
And yeah, so yeah, I've got nine caps for them. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, it's it's great. I've got my cap on the wall. It's it's brilliant, mm -hmm. really. I was I was super pleased with that, to be honest. Amazing. Yeah. So so obviously that led on to a variety of different then things, didn't it? But yeah. you then, I mean, obviously we're going to talk a little bit later about your Iron Man and mm. things like that. But but I'm keen to understand a little bit more around that that turning point when you started to recognise. That, oh, I can do this. This is yeah. quite good. I mean, what was what was the learnings around that? What was the, the signs that you started to see around yourself there? I think I saw something was working and I definitely applied the uh, do more kind of mentality. Right. Mm -hmm. I realised that the um, that training outside of training was getting me places, which again, sounds really common sense, but <laughs> it's one of those things as a young person, you have to, you can be told a lot, but until you're shown, well, for yeah. me especially, um, it, it really sunk in. So some lads would just train Tuesday, Thursday, play on the weekend, and I train pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. um, too much, probably, to be honest, in the end. Mm -hmm. I was lifting weights all the time, <clears throat> brute forcing it, I guess, trying to be as strong as I could. Because naturally, I'm actually not a big person at all. Mm -hmm. My mum and dad has a small frame. I've got a small frame, but I was playing in, um, playing in the front row. So I was trying to be heavy, trying to yeah. be big. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think my biggest, I was, like, you know, I was over 100 kilos, 105, yeah, mm, kilos, mm. which was quite big for my frame. Yeah. Um, so I had to kind of put a lot of work in there. Um, and what kind of stuff was you doing? Is that all strength-based training? Mm, it was, yeah. It was a lot of strength-based training. Um, I started to get quite bad shoulder injuries. Um, and my solution was just to, well, if, if I'm stronger, I'll get less injuries. But as I came to realise in my later life, that definitely isn't the case. And there's a lot more to you know, biomechanics and movement than just strength. Yeah. Um, but again, in that moment in time, so I had surgery on my right shoulder first, just kept on mm -hmm. subluxing, popping out, and the socket got damaged and they repaired it. Um, I did a bit of physio um, and then decided that, well, if, surely if I can do, you know, a lot of push-ups, it must be fine. Went back to play it again and the surgery failed, um, which was unfortunate. Because uh, it was, I, I, and, and by this point, I'm probably about, I don't know, 19, 20 years old. And I'm in chronic pain now in my shoulders, mm -hmm. absolutely chronic pain. All under my shoulder blades, they just burn all the time. Sleep was disrupted. Um, I had to be careful when I was washing my hair because my shoulder would just clunk kind of out of place. Um, I, I'm straight back in again, but it was just, a, it was just an unpleasant time, mm -hmm, really. Mm -hmm. So I got booked in for another surgery. And at the same time, um, my now wife, was going through, um, she had her own surgery on her ankle and her physio um, introduced her to this GEMS yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of really interested in that. Yeah, it was, it's, it was really, really interesting. And um, I um, was like, yeah, let's, I'd started to learn about it before actually when I was really going through the, the chronic pain stuff. So after my first, yeah, I'm getting my dates a bit confused. After my first surgery had failed there was a period of time before my next one where i started doing a bit more of the gem stuff being treated and i went on one of the uh gems courses by joanne and there we talked about it and they're interested in you know the chronic pain side of things and the failed surgeries you know they they've put together this this system which is really an approach to movement effectively mm -hmm. um where you it's, it's a whole person approach to movement, I suppose. Seeing your shoulder not 
as an isolated yeah. or whatever body part as an isolated system uh, an isolated part but as part of a bigger system and how to integrate it and uh, i never forget i went to the first um gems course uh, um to study gems as an occupational therapist and um there was a chap there andy a boxing coach really lovely guy and he was one of the kind of mentors who was helping out with the with the with the course and uh, we were doing some movements we were trying out some exercises and uh, i thought i had a good squat i thought it was strong and all the rest of it you know from the rugby and uh, he came up to me and goes you know you, you can you've got a good squat on you haven't you and i was like yeah it's not, not too bad type thing he said you're quite strong aren't you and i was like yeah not too bad he says but um but can you react and he tapped me in my shoulder and i i just nearly fell over mm -hmm. and he'd obviously seen something in my movement that was lacking you know i didn't have i had a kind of suit of armor strength if i'm ready for you yeah i'm strong but if I, I just didn't have any reactive strength my system couldn't compensate to the lower threshold movements it was only this higher threshold that my body was capable of really so um i think joanne's got this saying like there was an orchestra playing, but all I'd hear was the cymbals. Mm -hmm. My body would, that's all it would respond to effectively. And is that, do you think because you trained it that way? Yeah. I because think, of the, the, the gym and the, the strength work that you've been doing previously? Yeah, I really do. I think it, it was one of the main contributing factors to it. Um, there was a couple of things going on. I mean, one, I'm fairly kind of lower tone as a person, you know, I'm, you know, uh, you know, you get these people and they're kind of naturally kind mm. of bright, whereas I'm a bit more kind of, you know, my tone was a bit more relaxed, a bit more kind of, right. um, and my, I'd, I tried to train that away as much as I could try and put on as much weight as possible, try and, you know, be as strong as possible. Um, and that was my body and, and I, and, and that is right. Yeah. Because I'd done that, that was all my body was used to. Yeah. It needed that stimulus to kind of feel something. So then when it comes from left field, just like you said, a little tap. Yeah. And you wobble over. Exactly. So, so I'm interested in that because it, 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 there's something there, isn't it, about how we hold ourselves and yes. and and how we show up. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of wondering from that perspective, you know, how how good or not good is that for your for for that wider connection with? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Life, I suppose. 100%. Well, that's it. Your movement is a reflection of what's going on inside you, how you've shown up for that day, how your behavior, your, your, your emotional state, your belief system. And um, I, I, all of those things contrib contributed to, to where I was effectively and to my shoulder injuries. Because sure. again, my arm would go out to one side to make a, some kind of tackle. It would hit, hit me in a way I wasn't expecting and bam, pain. Um, but yeah, you, you're exactly right. And I remember going for one of my first as a as a patient sessions and I sat down with with Lou the physio and she said to me um so tell me what you understand about posture and I was like what she said tell me tell me what good posture is well you know it's uh, standing up you know with your shoulder blades mm -hmm. back and chest up and, <laughs> and all the rest of it and and um and that, that is kind of what you hear isn't it it's kind yeah. of commonplace um mm -hmm. and um I had an ingrained belief system in me from my granddad who was in the military and everyone commented on how great his posture was and, and all the rest of it. So I want to be like him. So, um, but that was contributing to my interesting? <laughs> downfall, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. I had this kind of squeezing shoulder blade pattern. My chest was, was puffed out, mm -hmm. which meant that I was disconnected from my abs, from my core, from my deep abdominals. My pelvis was, you know, rotated. Mm -hmm. um, all these little things that kind of add into to this kind of like whole person movement picture yeah. that GEMS really tries to promote. 
And uh, again, another jaw-dropping moment. And uh, went through the rehab process. Um, it, it was quite a, a strange one for me because, again, I'd done all the band work. I'd done all the external and internal yeah. rotation, trying to make my rotator cuff as strong as possible. But again, I've been training this shoulder in isolation to my whole system. Yeah, I didn't have a, a handle on my arousal state, um, you know, because that impacts everything. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have a handle on my tone. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a handle on my belief system and my understanding around it. And GEMS is all about that kind of empowering self-efficacy, managing all these preparing the ground effectively mm -hmm. to generate good efficient movement going forwards really it's fascinating isn't yeah it? It, it really was it was it was, a, it was an interesting journey <laughs> and what did that kind of teach you or tell you about you at that time it taught me loads to be honest um it, it, yeah it again joanne has this phrase kind of like you are your own phd effectively and i and i, I was kind of like i'm determined to get this yeah um to understand this and and to embody it myself to learn like about the the efficient movement myself uh, and also again i was really keen to try and like share this with as many people as i could to be honest because again i'd i'd seen the benefits and i'd come from this kind of conventional strength model yeah. strength solves everything yeah which it doesn't you know you know if you take for instance um like lower back pain you know, people who, well, not not in every case, but, you know, it's not uncommon that people come in with kind of low back pain. Yeah. And uh, people go, right, okay, well, you need to strengthen that low back up, don't you? But actually, that low back's probably really, really strong. It probably just does everything. Mm. And the other movement options in the, in, in, the, in the body just aren't there. So it's just overworking. So actually, most probably co compensating then or overcompensating? Yeah. Overcompensating, yeah. potentially, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, so again, you'd, you'd work with that person to see if there's any other options you can unlock for them, really, to mm -hmm. to, to 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 offload that area. Um, you know, it's it's when I'm working with with with, uh, with, with athletes, you know, coming with a sore hamstring, and they've been given loads of strengthening work for the hamstring, and I can see this hamstring is very strong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's 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 big, it's strong, and yeah. it's always sore. And that's because they use it for so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. their their body, our bodies are machines of utility they will get the job done yeah. if you want it done it will do it and um that pattern will get ingrained and it will be kind of repeated mm -hmm. um again it's it's you have to go to the brain first the cerebellum has already done the movement before you've done it right mm -hmm. so you have to kind of nicely interrupt that in a way and again you do that in loads of different ways um, by changing the context of the of the situation effectively by um, getting them to visualize something pleasant mm -hmm. uh, their favorite food or yeah. or, or a situation um, and don't forget I was doing um I was doing some running drills and I could not get my head around it and the coach I was with who was gems trained was like think about your favorite drink I was like you what so just just trust me think about your favorite drink and I was just like okay I'll do that and, uh, and and he was right. All of a sudden, I kind of opened up. It just got I just got out of my own way. Yeah. Um, got out of that groove. So it's interesting because it feels like obviously you've been quite determined from being that little boy in many ways. Mm. Um, and then into kind of your early early adulthood life, you know, in terms of that pushing the boundaries. Mm. It sounds like you, there's that high performance kind of stuff kind of underneath yeah. the surface there a little bit. So so what. 
obviously went through the training you've you figured out then that actually if you can unlock things yeah uh, you relax a little bit that you, your whole body can open up into into feeling different and yeah, and absolutely. being different so 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 what then made you jump from that then into trying Ironman yeah I think I got to this point where I'd kind of had a had, I think I just got had had enough of the big injuries yeah I had two shoulder surgeries and an elbow surgery and I rehabbed the shoulder and the elbow well and um, I was in this place now which I never thought I'd be where I just wasn't in pain now it it comes with a bit of effort. You have to yeah. again. You have to kind of live the you know, you know, the prehab side of things. You know, I'll do a kind of bit of a routine most days. Just to, but you can do it just in your checking in with your posture and just having an understanding mm -hmm. of where you are and what's going on for you. Um, but yeah, I got to this point and I, I was I was a little bit fed up to be honest. I'd I played rugby, kind of realised that I'd probably done about as much as I could really to be perfectly honest. Um, still enjoyed doing it, but I had my shoulder repaired and thought, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to go back. You know, I don't really want to do this again. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just stopped really. And, um, yeah, my now wife at the time, I was just kind of, I just wasn't doing a great deal to be honest. Um, I was, I'd got a bike and I'd done a bit of cycling. She's like, I think you need to find something else to, to, to go, to kind of go again. And I was like, yeah. And we sat down and dared ourselves to dream a bit big. And, uh, and then Iron Man came on the cards and uh, it was like, I could do this. Should I, shouldn't I? And I, I think at that time I kind of, I knew it'd be a big deal, but until I kind of really sat down and worked it out, I didn't realize how much of a big deal, until I'd already committed to it, to be honest, mm -hmm. how much of a big, big thing it was going to be. But I think I'd, I kind of trusted. I was like, well, I can get myself to this point in life. I wonder if yeah. it can take me over here. Um, so I signed up, gave myself just under a year or so to train, to train. for the first mm -hmm. one. Yeah. So tell me what's included then in Ironman. Oh, yeah. So in miles, it's a two and a half mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then um, a marathon. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's just, yeah. Yeah. Just a marathon afterwards. Just a marathon yeah. afterwards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some people say it's the hardest single-day endurance event. Yeah. Some people argue that there's other things out there. Um, For you? Uh, yeah, I think it probably is. I think that I think the whole kind of concept of you know getting into the into the swim early doors and you know all, having to pull together all those three sports makes it mm -hmm. hard. Um, there's some people who are kind of like yeah, hundred k ultra run could be harder, but. I don't know. I've not done one of those yet, so yeah. it's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so what what what's interesting then? So tell me about this kind of dreaming big. I mean, what was yeah. your aspiration when you started to dream big about the next sporting activity or interest? It's a really good question. I think um, I I've always, I think I, I have always had a bit of kind of self doubt around myself um, about about where I am and what I can do. And I kind of thought, well, if I can do an Ironman, that's gonna make me feel a certain way. I'll feel, I feel good enough after it. I feel like I've really accomplished something. So that's one of, to be honest, that was one of the driving factors behind it. Um, I was really enjoying working with people doing a bit of gems and a bit of the act stuff. And I thought this will probably give me a bit more mm -hmm. about who I am and um, make me feel a bit more confident in, in the kind of things I can do. So that was one of the driving And, and did it? Yeah, it did. It did. 
but then it just made me wanted to do it again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it then? Because that's interesting because I see this a lot with sports people or yeah. previous athletes that they still want to keep going. Yeah. And 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 obviously there's nothing wrong in that, no. but it's like okay, I've done that now. Tick right. What's the next one? And what do mm. I do next? And I'm I'm just kind of wondering what you know that kind of motivator. What's driving that kind of need? Maybe. I mean, I always want to beat my time, um, and I like having a year of kind of focused training. Right. I like kind of living the lifestyle of training. You know, pretty much every day. You know, mm -hmm. seven, eight, nine times. A week um i like integrating that in my life i like feeling healthy and i think you know the void that was created from that little boy being so kind of you know incapable of what he was doing i've definitely got this value of kind of health and fitness now and i just don't i don't want to go back there again mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter what state i'm in i'm always want to be trying to push and develop myself i don't want to fall back into those kind of old ways of kind of giving into the discomfort um and i to be honest i try and see the actual ironman itself as like a celebration of the year yeah of the mm -hmm. training mm -hmm. um but i also it's like to try a nice and way of looking at it though yeah. it's a different way of looking at it isn't it yeah it takes a bit of the pressure off as well yeah <laughs> just in case you don't come first exactly like that, yeah. well i've definitely never come first in it <laughs> definitely not um but i am slowly getting better mm -hmm. and uh, got myself a triathlon coach now which has been really helpful um again just those finding the right people to help you kind yeah. of over those gaps and those those bits yeah. you want to you want to get over and it's interesting because obviously you had that like you said when you was earlier with mm. your coach for rugby and yeah. then that's led into those are the specialists like act and gems yeah. and things like that and then yeah. obviously now you've sought somebody so 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 what do you think is the importance of having a good support person or team around you when you're trying these things i think it's really key personally speaking from a personal level um it's it's been everything so far mm -hmm. um without those people there's no way well who knows but i don't think there was a way i would have i would have right. done these things um you know like i said you've got you, you are where you are and well for me and, and there was somewhere that i wanted to go and um, I think I spent a lot of my time with with, with no goals in, in terms of like, I don't want to be this, I don't want to be that, I don't want to be the other. And I didn't really have any kind of yes goals, if you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. going forwards. And, and, and they helped me kind of see a way to get to that point so I could kind of break, well, they helped me break it down effectively. It didn't feel like that huge, scary gap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that's, that's definitely really key, Love personally. That. And yeah, I think... I so... How do you feel now? Because obviously physical sport then has kind of been in your life from being such a young age. Yeah. Um, what is, what's, what is, what's the significance and importance of that to you now as, as, an, as, a, as a man, as an adult? Yeah, what's the, what's the significance for that for you? Um, the significance of the sport, really, I think, again, it's just living that healthy lifestyle for me. I, I, I enjoy it. Um, you know, I get the feel-good factor after I've done a session. It's a way that I can communicate with my friends it's it's a it's a way of interacting mm -hmm. um it's something to talk about uh it helps <laughs> i think it helps people reference you as well understand you oh yeah mm -hmm. he's, he's he likes doing this kind of thing so it helps kind of you know with your relationships um it helps me be in a good place um psychologically for sure yeah. uh, i i know i'm in a much better frame of mind after i've trained yeah um yeah 
it's yeah. it's a big one for me really because i know not all of our listeners are going to go off tomorrow and start no. doing an iron man <laughs> or anything like that but i think there is, is a really simple message in this which mm. is actually moving your body yeah for sure is really important definitely because it doesn't necessarily just help with the physical side or the physiological yeah. side of our being, mm -hmm. but it really makes a difference in terms of the mind and the emotions as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, I know the stacks of research out there. I did my dissertation back at uni on the benefit of physical activity on depression. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's been said before, of course, you know, there's, there's loads of evidence to it. But, you know, living it and working with my kind of clients and people that I'm with, it's, it's definitely, you know, it just it just allows you to do things when mm. you've got that kind of that space and like you say not everybody has to do an Ironman everyone's idea of high performance is different really yeah. mm -hmm. um, or any performance you know uh, in life it just doing that thing doing the things in life that matter to you yeah. that that's what it's about really and that's mm -hmm. kind of where what I try and help the people that I work with do yeah. as much yeah. as possible, really. So I know you work with a variety of different clients, yeah. but I know you mentioned before that you work with some athletes, yeah. um, but you also work with, with non-athletes mm, as well. Sure. And so when, when clients are coming to you to to you know, to start thinking about how they can improve yeah. um, in any way, shape or form, what what's the kind of process that you take them through? It really does depend what they want to do, yeah. what, they want, what they've come in with. Because is it just all physical or is no, it? It's, no, um, no I, I, the acceptance and commitment therapy, that is that is kind of more towards the psychological. Um, can, can we just talk a little bit more about that? Because I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, quite sure. intrigued to understand a little bit more around yeah. that, that piece and how you interweave that with yeah. with the clients that you work with. Well, that's always been my challenge. I've, I've always tried, I've picked up these things here, there, and I think, oh, that's great, and that's great. I'd love to like bring mm -hmm. them together and see how they can, because physical and psychological overlap all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know mm -hmm. that, that whole person piece. And acceptance commitment therapy um, is created by Stephen C. Hayes as a, in the kind of psychotherapy world. But like I said, it's used all over the place now. And um, it's effectively a series of processes. But the underpinning concept is this kind of psychological flexibility. Right. Um, it's kind of helping you to not be pushed and pulled around by your thoughts and feelings. Um, and it kind of helps you, part of the process, kind of uncovering what matters to you, your values as such, and, and then helps you kind of see where the things you've been doing in life that might be taking you away from that, which they call creative hopelessness, which is an interesting term. Um, <laughs> didn't think hopelessness could be creative, but maybe it can. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the kind of thing, isn't it? It's like the nerves I felt for doing this today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's easy to give into because they're my thoughts and feelings and they can yeah. push me around. And if I do give into that, it, although in the short term, it feels like it's beneficial. I haven't got to do this, the scary, <laughs> put myself yeah. out there mm -hmm. to be potentially like make mistakes and not say, mm -hmm. you know, get things right. And, uh, have the uncomfortable feelings of, uh, of 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 speaking and presenting or whatever it is, um, and and that kind of creative hopelessness piece is around that really, but it, it, in the long term it moved me away from my values of yeah. trying to do things in life that matter to me, try and like you know work on my own business and help people do things in life that they want to do. Yeah. Um, so that that is effectively the core of that. So it's really, really interesting, isn't it? So it sits really nicely then with the coaching work. It does, it um, does. And also sits yeah. with the, the physical kind of work that you do with your clients as well. Absolutely, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah definitely. It's, um, 
Yeah, it is a really interesting and powerful model um, to help work with people. And uh, it's really nicely and well evidence-based, as is the coaching and, and, yeah. and the gems as well. So it gives you a bit of confidence around what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it is easy, right? Because I think obviously we've been talking a lot about phys physical movement mm. and, and, and high performance in many ways. Yeah. Now, obviously, when I look at... <laughs> my going to the gym or my running is definitely not high performance it's just getting getting through it because i need to get through it because you know i'm i'm not a high performance athlete by any stretch of the imagination but but i do see the the, the significance of making time for that and doing that consistently yeah. on a regular yeah. basis um but it is difficult because you know some people just you know the alarm goes off they know they want to go and do activity yeah move their body but actually then just roll over because the mm -hmm. thought of it goes back to your the 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 things that you've just been talking about there the commitment yeah. and and so forth it, it's it's w what advice would you give to our listeners um who are maybe thinking oh i really want to do something but those thoughts those that the commitment piece is just not there because of their fears or it depends concerns, you know yeah definitely obviously it depends um but on what it is that's kind of getting in their way a little bit so I'm definitely an accountability person, for right. sure. Mm -hmm. um, so having a coach, having a mentor is really important to me. Having a big, scary Iron Man as well is good for me. <laughs> kind of a motivator in a way. For sure. But when it comes down to the other little bits and pieces you can do, possibly on the more detailed side, we, you know, take some of the ACT principles, for instance, um, around kind of trying to, we sometimes try and escape, get away from these uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, even though they're totally normal, natural, and, mm -hmm. you know, right to experience. Yeah. Um, you know, we try and push them away as hard as possible. Um, it's, it's changing relationship to them mm, can nice. be really useful. Uh, oh, that, yeah, and, and, and having a, an awareness piece alongside that as well. Oh, there's my, uh, there's my thought about snoozing the alarm again. I mean, to be honest, I definitely at times end up hitting that snooze button. And there's definitely a, an element of kind of self-compassion that has to go into this, yes, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. And, and a realistic understanding. But um, I think, yeah, I mean, f f for me, finding that accountability piece has been it's key. It's a big thing, yeah. Definitely. I've had several friends over the years who have been my kind of 6 a.m. wake-up calls. Yeah. We'll phone each other, we'll alternate. All right, you're up, yeah. You're going to go yeah. get your training in? <laughs> yeah, let's let's try um yeah. just that little piece really letting somebody else in on your journey that's um, interesting yeah yeah because mm -hmm. yeah. i think sometimes it can be quite a lonely journey when you don't mm. have that support or people yeah. who are kind of there to provide that that kind of oh, companionship along the way yeah but what i also heard you there say around the self-compassion so from your perspective after everything that you've been through i said from being a youngster to where you are now what's been your biggest learning or biggest insight around self-compassion it's a tough one because at times I've kind of used the, uh, I've used not having self-compassion as a bit of a tool to get myself going and it will get you going sometimes. But if that becomes your, something to lean on at all times, it's actually not a very nice place to exist in. Um, if you're constantly looking at your negatives to move you, mm. um, like I said, it can be quite a, yeah. <laughs> a sad, difficult place to be. So I think giving yourself that opportunity to again it's 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 finding out what it is finding your values has been the, one of the biggest things for me in terms of self-compassion and actually if you're doing things that appear like self-compassion ah, oh, you know i'm not going to train today i'm going to be kind to myself and you do it every day in the end you're not actually being 
that compassionate to yourself yeah. mm -hmm. you're 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 going the other way around so i think it's having a realistic understanding of what what self-compassion looks like to you and how it's when it's beneficial and when it isn't really mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense yeah 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 absolutely now i know this might be a bit of a, um i don't know how true this is but um i was reading somewhere and tell me if this is wrong but um you know from a a male versus female perspective um around um you know, women are said to most probably have a bit more compassion and and a bit more kind of be a bit more kinder on themselves, maybe because of the 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 need for maybe the 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 male to perform and keep going and be competitive and all of that kind of thing. Is that true or is that just a myth? I don't know. I, th I mean, in my experience, it feels like so far if that feels fairly myth like. Yeah. Purely because I've worked with. I thought so. I just some, to ask. Yeah. 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 Well, from my personal experience, yeah. anyway, I've, mm -hmm. I've worked with some really some 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 females who are really harsh on themselves, yeah. mm -hmm. like really harsh, and, and that becomes their motivating driving factor yeah. in life mm -hmm. as well. Really, um, I suppose it comes out in different ways. Um, they're not the I'm not good enough piece does come out in different ways, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've definitely seen some seriously hard on themselves mm -hmm. females out there right for sure. Okay. <laughs> So out of all of this, have you got any mm. other tips that you would share with our listeners around if they wanted to embark on moving their body, mm. they might not go from, from you know, zero to high performance, yeah. but but just to get that consistent approach and, and, and to start enjoying physical activity. Yeah, I think start start easy and start, start steady. Find out what it is you're interested in. Because, I mean, if you're not interested in it, it's going to be a painful journey yeah you know some people love being inside a gym and some people can't stand it yeah um so i think find what you're interested in um and to be honest uh, again i've come I've said this a few times but reaching out for that bit of support in it yeah. is really important because like i say it can be a lonely journey you know when you when it's you and you you know we're not great at talking to ourselves sometimes yeah. not great at convincing ourselves what we want to do um so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say Those something around things. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I like that idea. I do really like the idea of having an accountability partner. Mm. I think I really like the idea yeah. of that and that support. And I know from a physical and a, a kind of emotional sense, having a coach in some way, shape or form oh, yeah. or, a, or a trainer to support you in that can be really, really helpful. Definitely. And can also help you overcome those kind of initial barriers or fears oh, yeah. uh, that might get in the way. You mentioned before though, that you finally managed to get out of your own way. Mm. So is there any thoughts, just any parting words on that before we, we wrap up? Get out my own way. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, I think it's just going on this journey of like finding a better relationship to myself and my better connection, my body, that better understanding, that kind of self-efficacy piece. You know, I mean, I'm, I was lucky that I was helped and it, and it worked. And, and I suppose, again, something else to say that if you're in a position where you're lucky enough to be able to give that help to somebody, mm -hmm. you have no idea the ripple effect it might have on, on their on their life. Really, mm -hmm. um, if you know if they haven't bothered, who knows? I have no idea what what would have happened. I might have just dropped out, and yeah. I wouldn't have gone on this weird <laughs> kind of journey now. So that's that's probably something to yeah lean on a little things. bit yeah i think Definitely. so too brilliant so where can we get hold of if people want to understand a little bit more about the work that you do yeah. with your clients how you interject those different methodologies and modalities yeah. to support 
that healthier physical but also mental and emotional yeah. kind of connection where can people get hold of you got a website onformhighperformance.co.uk um, and yeah you can you can uh, have a little look at that and catch up with me on there that's amazing well thanks tom for a great conversation thank, thank you thank very you. much brilliant cheers Gina. thank you well, what a lovely conversation that was with Tom. I like how Tom shared his journey from being that boy who was always sat on the sidelines looking at the game, always wanting to play but never getting picked. And I think that resonates with me and I'm sure it resonates with many other people that when you're sat on the sidelines and nobody's really giving you the support or the attention you need, it can be quite a lonely place. But what was interesting, that one kind of olive branch by the coach many, many years ago gave Tom the opportunity to reflect and to understand a little bit more about what he could do to improve his game but also to improve his health and well-being and then he pursued that um, throughout the rest of his life up until now and as, as, and this has shown up in so many different ways from him playing rugby um, for the GB team deaf team but also then moving into multiple Ironmans and always wanting to improve his performance but what I what struck me the most about Tom is and it's what he said at the very end of our conversation was that actually if you can offer help out there to somebody, then why not? Because it can make a huge difference to somebody's life. And I think that's what Tom's exactly doing with his own um, offering and his own business is to help others understand where they are now and what they need to do to get to where they want to be. And he uses those different modalities to really support that mind-body connection.